Hello and welcome to the Practice Odyssey. My name's Jen. And I'm Alex. And here we are approaching the festive season, or in fact we're in the festive season. And uh, wow, the year has really galloped to an end. And here we are on our last book of the season. I found it quite interesting. I've Mm. learned a lot. Yeah. And also it's been good to kind of see how it's the books have compared to either the if they were the sequel, the prequel to them, or if they were the prequel to the sequel of them, and how the process has changed with each book. I would, and agree I found with that. it interesting with this one particularly, which of course we will talk about in a little bit. But <laughs> what am I talking about, Alex? What are we looking at? Well, what have we been looking at for the past two weeks? Oh, we've been looking at Philippe Bernold's La Technique de Embouchure. So, or mm. I think. Um, this cover doesn't have an English translation as some of his others do, but this one I think translates pretty easily to mm. the embouchure technique or the technique of the embouchure. <laughs> so that's what we've been doing the last two weeks. Uh, and for some of our listeners, you may remember we've already done a book by Mr. Bernold. Mm-hmm. We did his other book, his sequel. So uh, the Les Soufflets, Les Sons, I believe it was what it was called, uh, yeah. which focuses a lot on building the air column and making sure that it remains pretty consistent and supports the sound well throughout all the different octaves. Mm. So this book, if that was a sequel, and that makes this the prequel or the yeah. OG, the original. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this one came out originally... In, uh, I did not do a very good job researching. Uh, <laughs> let me check. I believe it came out in, is that his, no, that's his bio in French. I'm feeling better. Maybe it's not super obvious when it can't work. <laughs> well, the one I bought is the fourth edition of it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I see yes. the Fier Aimé uh, edition. Um, I do not see mm-hmm. a year which it was originally published, mm. um, which means that I'm probably fired from doing <laughs> I'm usually pretty good about this. No. Um, Sometimes it's really hard to find. Yeah. Oh, wait, maybe in the back? No, I just have a phone number. Great. Oh. Okay. Uh, oh, to whom? <laughs> uh, I think to the Whose publishing company, La oh, Stravaganza. I thought for a moment that you actually had his phone number. I was like, oh, my god, That would be amazing. All the questions. <laughs> okay, let's just do a quick... Phone him up for an interview. <laughs> we could definitely do that. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm just going to do a quick uh, Google search because, listeners, we try to be as complete for you as possible. And I feel as though not having the year that this came out would be a... Uh, tragedy in a way oh wow oh um well i found it on amazon with the year it came out 1990 apparently mm. paperback okay. uh, guess how much okay. it goes for okay so i will tell you i bought my copy at all flutes plus in in london i think uh, i think that's where mm-hmm. they're located mm-hmm. for 28 pounds mm-hmm. uh guess yep. how much it's going for in america on amazon how much 68 bucks <gasps> Ooh. you can buy it used oh, for 61 Oh, well, clearly it's not very available. I have to say, I have stopped shopping for all of my music in Australia. Oh. I order all of my music from the UK. <laughs> like, it's just cheaper. It is cheaper for me to buy all my music in the UK and get it shipped over to Australia than for me to find anything here. Oh, quick follow-up <laughs> from a uh, on this topic... 
from a previous yes. podcast this season. Has uh-huh. the Susan Milan finally arrived? It did. Oh, and do you know what? Fantastic. She was so lovely. Oh. She was so lovely. She was, she's like, oh, she, she wrote me an email mm-hmm. saying she remembered the time that I played in one of her festivals, which is wild. Oh, wow. That she would remember that. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe she remembered that she oh. has, well, she is, she's, she's one of those, yeah, she's got such an amazing memory and mind. She does. And but yeah. listeners also, Jen is super underplaying her performing abilities. You did freaking, <laughs> oh, no, I'm blanking oh. on the name of it, but the amazing whale piece. Um, oh, crumb. The crumb, the George crumb, crumb. sounds mm. of the whale. What's mm. the name of it again? I forget. Voice of the Voice Whale. Of the- I think. Vox Ballonet. Vox, Vox Ballonet. Yeah. She played that. If you haven't played it or listened to it. Yes, go listen to it now. It, um, I'll add it to our show it's notes amazing. for mm. our listeners so you can find mm. a copy on YouTube. Yeah. But you did a fantastic job. I think that's so sweet of Susan. Okay. I'm so glad I followed yeah. up. I wasn't sure if I was like, yeah. oh, should I do it or not? But yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was really amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, sorry, that was a big tangent, listeners. Um, so yes, for those who maybe haven't listened to our Bernold episode, uh, let me introduce the gentleman himself a little bit. So uh, Philippe Bernold began his musical studies in Colmar, France, studying the flute and later composition and conducting under René Matteo, himself a student of Charles and Fritz Munch, Munch, I think. It's a German name, I should know how to mm. pronounce it. It looks mm. like the German mm. word of Munich, which is München, uh, but without the mm-hmm. en on the end. He then attended the Paris Conservatoire, where he earned first prize in flute, and the next year, at the age of 23, was appointed first flute of the National Opera Orchestra of Lyon. In 1987, he won first prize in the Jean-Pierre Rampal International Competition in Paris. So, flute virtuoso from the start, and he's been around good amount of time. So this uh, award of uh, Mr. Bernold's allowed him to start a career as a soloist performing with world-famous artists and orchestras. Uh, he returned to conducting mm-hmm. in 1994, founding the Les Vertuces de l'Opera de Lyon with the encouragement mm-hmm. of conductors John Elliott Gardner and Kent Nagano. Since then, he has been invited to conduct concerts with such ensembles as the Symphonia Varsovia, touring in Lisbon, Bilbao, Valence, Nantes, and, and Warsaw, the National Opera Orchestra of Lyon, Baden-Baden Philharmonie, the Orchestra Chambre de Paris, uh, tons more orchestras, you name it, he's probably performed with them. Um, and he mm, has wow. his, And he's also... Uh, conducted the famous Simon Bolivar Orchestra, which is uh, which has the musical oh. director Mr. Gustavo Dudamel from the LA Phil. Uh, so for the TV, he also performed the complete Mozart program in two thousand eight. Um, mm. He is also the professor of chamber music and flute at the National Paris Conservatoire. Mm. Uh, mm. Okay, so what is this book about? So this one came out in nineteen ninety, so pretty far back in his career. Um, almost 30 years now, yeah? Uh, mm-hmm. so, I, so the book is broken into four chapters. You have the vocalese, the intervals, the sonfi, which I love is just sonfi. It doesn't matter the language. It just mm-hmm. says sonfi. And types sonfi. of note attacks. And before each section mm-hmm. uh, is a small introduction to the topic and how to practice it correctly. And that's really mm. all of the, the basics. The rest are just little exercises that he has broken down that are usually about a page or maybe a little shorter than a page. 
And that's what we did mm. for the last two weeks. To much Thanks. success, to a, oh. uh, or maybe to not much success. Maybe oh. we uh, just uh, <laughs> crashed and burned, <laughs> but that's what you're about to find out, listeners. Um, so yeah, <laughs> without further ado, hey Jen, how was your week one? My week one? Yes. Um, okay, yes. So one of the things um, I loved about this book was all of the information he writes in it. He does. Like there's so much information on how to tackle it, um, things to watch out for and common problems that you can, um, that you can stumble upon and um, how to maybe approach them. Look, Alex, I know it's a little bit avant-garde of me. <gasps> is that even the right term? Um, I don't, yes, it is. I don't know. Totally. Um, but I actually read the forward <gasps> before I started. I know, incredible. So I read the instructions. Um, however, I do want to point out that La Technique de embouchure, it says on the first page, <laughs> 218 exercises for mastery of all difficulties concerning transverse flute embouchure and the acquisition of a good tone. <laughs> I saw the 218 and I thought, hmm, I don't think I'm going to get through all of this in two weeks. So I should perhaps figure out a plan of attack and just kind of get a general sprinkling of the idea of this. So I read through the foreword and it was it was really interesting. Like he, he made some really interesting points at the beginning about how um, normally with the flute, we're a bit unbalanced with how we practice um, and that we we put more emphasis on practicing to finger work and articulation than perhaps we do to tone. Like tones may be used as a kind of a warm-up at the beginning of our practice. Right. Um, but not really considered something which we actually sit and practice as diligently as we would um, say scales every day, yeah. Um, which I thought was interesting, and he gave all these theories on what maybe it, why it was that way, and one of them was he thought maybe it's because there's so many published methods on all of those <laughs> other aspects of technique, but not on tone. The books specifically on tone I can think of off the top of my head is why moist. Um. I, I didn't, I couldn't really think of a huge amount which actually do address tone in a lot of detail and in quite a structured um, pedagogical way, I guess you could say. Yeah, um, it's definitely a lot less um, than there are of flute scale books. I mean, even I'm thinking yeah. now, I know they touch on tone a little bit in the Taffanel and Gobert, but you know, what does everyone buy? They don't buy the the complete version, which we did in season no. one, listeners. I'll go look back and listen to that. But they buy the, the scale one, the scale version, right? Mm. Which is just the, yeah. the 14 exercises, which is just scales. That's usually yep. the thing that people like to buy. And I think, therefore, since it's in demand, capitalism, uh, <laughs> we have a lot more of it as well. But it's also, I, I feel like for like developing like your embouchure or developing like your tone, it's also, you really have to sit with yourself a lot. And often it is like a little mm. more, you know, sitting down and playing long tones. And I feel like that would also mm -hmm. be a little harder to express through a book, which is maybe why not so many people have done it in the past, because it's a yeah. little trickier to no, do with just a book. that's a very book. good point. But, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, he basically, he puts out all of these points, uh, which to me basically said, 
don't do mindless practice, actually think about what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I remember that too. I was like, oh, great, excellent. <laughs> For 218 exercises. No. <laughs> 218 exercises, no autopilot. <clears throat> um, then we got to the bit which I was very excited about. It broke down the book, as you said, um, which is pretty straightforward, like kind of he's split into the four sections. But then I came across the paragraph of organisation of work <gasps> and then I was very excited. Yeah. I was very excited. I was like, instructions. I love instructions. Um, chapters one and two, which are basically focused on equality of the timbre and and intervals. Uh, the second part of the book, so the last two chapters, which are basically focused on sans fille, the beginning and the ends of notes, <laughs> which are which are the really <laughs> they're the worst bits yes. <laughs> of sound is to get a really clean attack or uh, a different attack and then to control the end of your note. <laughs> yes, when you have no more air or you're running lower on air. So I took it as his advice. He said it's probably best that you do the first two chapters at the beginning, but the last two are quite hard. Mm -hmm. So start there maybe about half an hour after you've played. So he suggests it's probably good to do a bit of scale work in between um, the tone work of the first two chapters and the tone work of the last two chapters. So I decided that was how I was going to structure my practice when working through this. And then he said, you can work on one of, you can work through these exercises simultaneously, one from each chapter every day. Mm -hmm. so it was a very nice way to warm up, actually. I found it very humane. You kind of started on your low register and you went up and it was up in semitones. Very similar to his second book. Mm -hmm. Um in terms of some of the final vocalises he starts from. But where I started kind of seeing the um, the similarity between the second book and the first book was when you kind of get down the back of um, the vocalese exercises. Now he's, he starts using excerpts from symphonies such as Beethoven's Third Symphony, <laughs> um, which basically if you've listened to the, the previous... Um, an old book that we did that was entirely his first chapter was warming up the tone through different excerpts which I thought was interesting because here he's definitely put them down the end so he's considered them more difficult in terms of warm-ups so he's put them down near the end whereas he's got more scale patterns through in this book he does and I was yeah. I was intrigued about yeah why he decided to switch from scale patterns to mm -hmm. orchestral excerpts because in some ways maybe it's maybe it's because he does emphasize in the at the beginning that um the tone tone work should always be played with musical intent and I do find when I'm playing a scale pattern it can start I, I start focusing more on the technicality of making the sound and the fingers move I get more absorbed by that than actually by what is my musical intent with this phrase? Because, I mean, music's full of scales and arpeggios. That's, mm -hmm. that's why we practice them, because it's an excellent shortcut for playing repertoire if we've already got them comfortably under our fingers and um, with our embouchure. But, um, but it's always part of the music. Yeah. yeah, I wondered if that was why in the second book he decided to purely have orchestral excerpts because you were always reminded that there had to be musical intent within your tone work. Yeah, yeah. I like that. 
I had thought originally yeah. that the second book was that he just, you know, like he's been playing this <laughs> the first one since 1990. And he was like, you know what? I know how to do these scales. <laughs> Let's change it up <laughs> and do something with a little more lyricism. <laughs> and then he added all these orchestral excerpts, which aren't always difficult when it, with regards to um, like technicality for the fingers, uh, of course. Mm-hmm. And so then you can focus a little more on the airstream and then you know he does which I think I may have forgotten to mention in my breakdown but oftentimes for at least the first chapter the exercises he has like a one eight bar phrase or so of a melody and Mm -hmm. then he just repeats it in every key so then you know how it's supposed to sound so you can tell if you miss a note um, and then you just play through it focusing on getting that air column you know feeling very vocal in Mm. nature so Mm. I like your take on it though it's better well it's a it's a theory and i was wondering because yeah and Mm. maybe that's because i'm maybe that's that's because that's my bad habit Mm -hmm. that's a good challenge i can give myself to kind of try and play all of my arpeggios and scales with like musical intention yeah when i'm practicing them it's always tricky though because there's so many things for the brain to focus on i like how paul likes to break it up and he's like okay you know for the music he actually tells you what to do for the musical intent he's like okay just you know piano to forte and then forte to piano and then reverse Mm. it and Mm. then you kind of have an idea like you have a little like it's a roadmap for people who are like yeah when we're not comfortable or those days where it's really hard to focus I know sometimes for me that's Mm. the case then it's like okay then this and then eventually once you know brains like got back on the the track and it's like okay I know what to do then being able to be a little more imaginative or yeah musical and Mm -hmm. let it happen a little more spontaneously but yeah, it is hard to do all of that at once when, especially for students, you know, when they're just like, wait, how do you even finger an F? How can I make it musical yeah. if I'm already having to focus on like one thumb, one, two, three, one, like which fingers to press down? So it's definitely exactly. a process. But yeah, mm. it is important to always think a little musically because that is the end goal to make sure we are having fun and creating music. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's that was kind of the thing which I was, um, that was my biggest intrigue moment i guess mm. of my week of my week one so a yeah super intrigue moment mm. how was your week one that's a great question um and i'd love to tell you uh so <laughs> i love how oftentimes excellent <laughs> i know <laughs> listeners we don't uh, talk to each other about our practice during the weeks uh between when we're doing them so i i never know what jen's going to do for these and the same for her and it was too funny because usually I do read and research, but my life's been a little, I feel like I tell you all of this every time. My life's been a little chaotic lately. And so I haven't had as much time to really delve in and uh, do as much fun in the research as I normally do. So I looked at the introduction and I was like, mm, I feel like I've, you know, I studied with a protege of Bernold in France for a little bit. Mm, and, yes, uh, you, you know, I'm kind of familiar with how he does all of this. So I don't need to read the intro. So I skipped right over to the <laughs> organization of work. Um, 
section, uh, which I'm a little sad about, and I realized that in week two. So I eventually I did read the intro, but for week one I was like, Shh, don't even read this. Like I should read this, but you know what? I want to practice more, which made me also reflect on you know like oftentimes I don't know if anyone else encounters that, but I'll be like, okay, I can be loud now. I can practice, which is not such a problem here, but still in my head mm. trying to out train it instead of untrain. Mm. Untrain it's the right word. But I always forget to budget time for reading the suggested practice techniques. And I'm like, oh, no, like I want to play, but I need to spend like five or seven minutes like reading this. And but I have all this energy now and I just want to play. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Um, I usually take the time and I do the reading. But this week was not one of those weeks. I was like, I'm just going to play. Um, so, yes. And that's OK. And that is also OK because I'm still practicing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. Uh, so yeah, so for this book, um, I did read his organization and I did see that he said, so yeah, half an hour of work a day is what he said. And at some point mm-hmm. in one of the chapters, he mentions that it should be daily, which means listeners that for me, I was like, oh, that I don't get my Sundays off. But I was also in a very self-care mode. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to stick to this like half an hour of work. Um, goal. Mm. <laughs> so trying to do mm. all of the exercises. So the four sections. Um, <gasps> in you did all 218? <laughs> Stay tuned for week two in 30 minutes oh a day. Gosh, what a, oh. <laughs> oh, no, no, spoiler. I didn't end up doing all 218. Oh um, I did do a lot. Like, but kudos. I also, okay, wow. yeah, I tried to follow his point five. Okay, so I did skim the introduction eventually throughout the chapter. And he does say, you know, every day and it should be progressive. So mm. um, I, my mm. goal was focused on making progress and then also mm-hmm. keeping my practice sessions a little shorter so I could actually achieve my goal of practicing every day and not taking a day off. And for me, that's always like, <laughs> I like my day off. Um, so yeah, <laughs> so I did one section for week one. I did one section from each section every day. And that uh, usually I could finish within 30 minutes. The the, like he mm. mentions, the, the section two with the sans fi, this like beginnings and ends of notes, as well as the articulation section always took a lot longer. So I would almost say the mm. first bit, so the intervals and the vocalese, 10 minutes was about my goal. And then mm. I would spend 20 mm. minutes at least on the second part. Mm. Just because to get, mm. it's a lot of brain, mental, you really need a lot of mental effort i found at least for me and a lot of physical effort a lot of physical effort really tough on your embouchure yeah because you're working on all of those embouchure muscles but you have to maintain everything you learn yeah so for Mm. the first week i spent it basically just doing a little bit of this for 30 minutes a day and then he mentions a conventional scale practice and so i chose which actually is on point with what you were saying earlier jen the uh, susan milan technique book one that we did earlier in this season oh, too nice. because i was trying to keep it work because i knew <laughs> i realized on monday like after the initial like sans fi and the articulation work um, that my brain uh-huh. was going to be spent, you know, especially spent yeah. g- really sp- honing in on that. So I was, I chose something yeah. that wasn't super hard technically to help maybe balance that and keep me motivated for the seven days. Mm. Yeah, I'm happy to report I did it for seven days. So yeah, so week one Way. was a little success for me. I was very happy. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, that was the end of my week one. <laughs> Jen, how was your week two? Yeah, week two. Um. <clears throat> Week two was similar in structure to week one, 
Um, by this point, you know, I had definitely accepted the futility of even trying to get through all 218 exercises. <laughs> so I decided to cheat a little bit. I don't know if I say cheat, but to get like a full grasp of the book, I decided um, to kind of skip all the middle bits because he said it progressively got harder. Mm. Um, so I decided to go to the final exercises, which I figured would be the most challenging. Yes, they were. Um, so that was probably the main, that was probably the main difference between week one and week two is all of a sudden I jumped the progression a little bit to the intense, uh, more intense exercises at the end. Yeah. Like you, I found, um, the song fee, the last two chapters really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Physically tiring and mentally tiring, as you said. And also in the previous ones, he says, oh, yeah, you can use a little bit of vibrato. But in these two, he nope. says no vibrato. No vibrato at all. No so you vibrato. can't hide. You can't do your little vibrato tricks. I know, just to hide a little bit of that pitch, you know. You know, exactly. Mm. A bit of the pitch, a bit of maybe the tone isn't as resonant as it could be anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so, <laughs> yes. Wow, yeah, it was good. It was good. You kind of felt like it was tough, but it was a good tough. It was making you stronger. I feel like <laughs> there's a song about this. The song feet were really, really good. Um, but, I mean, again, there are so many. I mean, what, there's like 70 exercises more, 80. Uh, for the song feet, there are over 80 exercises, I counted. <laughs> over 80 exercises. Um, yes. I did note that at the, the, like, the last 10... Um, are all uh, diminuendos on an ascending arpeggio in brackets. Mm -hmm. Very difficult. Yes, they are. Um, so I decided to <laughs> almost make them a little separate section in themselves. So I would practice one of those along with the somfi every day. But, yeah, they were just, uh, yeah. It's, mm, it's kind of hard to explain. It's, he asks you so often to do, like, a, a crescendo from piano to forte back down to piano oh, in this yeah. mm -hmm. So it's, like, really intense control. Uh, it, was, it was such a killer. It was intense. But actually what I, I really, really loved was um, his articulation exercises <laughs> um, and how he got you to practice the attacks of notes and, and also his exercises of... Um, pearl-like notes on various rhythms and registers <laughs> and um and he just uh changes the octave round and the rhythms and the speed of the articulation that you're playing just to kind of uh really hone in the skills that you've been practicing in the previous uh 66 exercises that was kind of the highlight of my second week Aww. i think was the um articulation um exercise chapter i really really enjoyed that and then of course the I mean, well, I say, of course, I had a love-hate relationship with the Sonfi. <laughs> I think... I know, it's was, like once, it's like doing burpees or push-ups, like in the moment you're like, oh is. my gosh, but then you see the progress and you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is great. I know, you kind of get that <laughs> adrenaline rush at the end and this sense of achievement, you're mm -hmm. like, yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Win. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good metaphor for it. That's exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Second week, the burpees of embouchure and fun articulation. Yeah, all the lovely yeah. metaphors for sounds. Oh, I just love his use of like the pearl notes or pearl. Just using pearl yeah. with articulation. It's 
uh, a yeah. lovely visual. Did you also do some pearl notes in your second oh, week? Oh, you know I did. Um, yes. So in the second week, I think that is when I officially finally read through the entirety of the introduction. <laughs> I think I, I, for me, I don't know. Um, here's a nice little thing I do, listeners. Maybe it's helpful for you. But if there's something I need to read and it's hard for me to remember or focus on it, I will put it in my chill spot in my apartment. So which for mm. me is on the couch where I have like a little ledge where I can put my coffee in the morning. So finally... <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, one night I was like, oh, I need to read the introduction. So I, I checked it over there on the couch. And so then I finally read it one morning over my coffee. And uh, yeah, that way I didn't forget it. Um, and so at this point, I also saw that there were 218 exercises. And I was like, oh, no, how am I going to get to 218 when I've just been doing 30 minute sections? Which, of course, <laughs> listeners, it's not what Mr. Bernold says. It's uh, clearly just what Jen and I try to do for you so that we can give you an honest review of how it went for us in two weeks. Um, so then I had the, you know, the internal battle of like, oh, should I try and do 218 exercises or should I just stick to my 30 minutes practice session? And so what I decided to do was... To I mean, you are the woman who managed to bust through the did. entire of the yeah. Morris and Y Pick uh, Alto book. <laughs> That's right, I forgot In two that. weeks. Oh my gosh, I was dead. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Alex, oh. I salute you. Yes, that, that was um, <laughs> uh, an undertaking. Impressive. Yes, yes. <laughs> However, since the goal, as, he men- as I mentioned, that I noticed in week one was progression. And I figured like, yeah, okay, great. Mm. If I get through the exercises, fantastic. However, like there's no way I can talk to y'all about all 218 exercises in our 30 to 45 minute podcast, you know. Mm -hmm. So I decided that, you know, the first two parts are I was doing pretty well with the the first two sections, the intervals and like the like tone building um, from the first chapter. Um, so I decided that those I could push and do a little longer probably. And I wouldn't feel so mm-hmm. mentally overwhelmed that I wouldn't want to do the next two in the section two, the song fee and the, um, mm. articulation. So those I did do all of. So I, so I switched it from originally I was to get in my 30 minutes of practice. Um, I was doing about 30 minutes of practice on tone uh, the, I started doing about three vocalies a day and then switched to two once I had gotten mm. to a comfortable spot. Um, really liked his orchestral excerpts in different keys. I was like, yeah, it's like les, les souffles, les songs. So we got all of these because oh, it just makes the tone exercises for me more fun. Although I did have yeah. fun doing the ones that were just scales in the way that Julian, mm. the Julian Bodivant, the protege from Mr. Bernold, I believe, um, he taught Andy or Andrew, one of our colleagues in Lyon, when we went there, uh, where you would first play through it with just like a like a ha sound, like mm. to get the air column mm. moving and very consistent because you can hear like you know listeners if I go like you can tell it's not consistent at all and you can kind of pick up on that. So he had you do that while fingering through the exercises with the keys, and then you slowly mm. add in more and more embouchure so the there you make a nice sound so I did do that as well Mm. a little bit 
but not too much because mm. even though it's fun, also remembering, okay, big picture, there's like a little, <laughs> this embouchure marathon that we've got going here. <laughs> got to keep the big picture in mind. Um, so yeah, so I did that, made it through all of the vocalese and then the intervals, there were 30. And so then I was like, okay, I've already done seven. So that's like 23. And then I broke it down. So it was a few days of four intervals. And then I switched to three a day. <laughs> Whereas in the first week, I think wow. I was doing uh, one or two intervals a day, just however long it took me until yeah. I got to 10 minutes. Um, yeah. yeah. And so, and those were a lot of fun. I really enjoyed all the different ones he puts in. Oh, but the intervals, they got hard. <laughs> they do get really <laughs> there, hard. There were some tricky ones near the end. Let's, let me give you all a number. So if you're practicing through this, you have a number to look forward to. Um, oh yeah. Number 19 was, uh, oh gosh, that was fun. And then also, what was that one near the... Was that the, the, the three-octave jump one mm-hmm. or the two-octave jump one? Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that was the... Yeah, uh, yeah where he, he starts off easy, but then it gets harder. It's like a, a third <laughs> and then a fifth and then like it goes up and oh, a, yeah. gets harder and harder, but it's all slurred, which, I mean, I know is the idea behind all of this, but yeah, that was tricky. And then yeah, the number 30, which he actually recommends to practice at the same time, some of the... Vivaldi concerti on piccolo so yeah, I thought that was I uh, that. Yeah. yeah so I actually did a little bit of piccolo practice too but yeah exercise 29 oh was probably the beast of them all so go do 29 because <laughs> that killed me oh. um and that was on Sunday oh. too I was like oh no help so <laughs> no. um but yeah so that was uh the first section for week two and then as I mentioned I did not like there's 80 exercises and that was definitely mm. the most mentally draining for me like the articulation was also mm-hmm. very mentally draining but I've also worked through a few of those exercises before so a lot of it was very familiar so I was like okay like you know and there was a little more structure as well so yeah so I just stuck to just doing one or two of those a day that still was like <laughs> a lot of time and like a lot of mental <laughs> energy and then I got yeah. up to um, uh, for the uh, articulations, I focus primarily on just exercises 19 and 20 because, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, do it's one exercise, but transposed. But there's just you really have to yeah. pay attention to every attack. So I would do like 19 because that's the blown sounds where you would not articulate the note. You would just blow the tones. Mm-hmm. So instead of going two, 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 and so the, the tongue is involved, you would go. Who, 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 where there's no tongue involved. So I would do that. Mm. And then the bubble sounds. And then the third one with the dynamics, the changing dynamics. So I would do one of those mm. each. And that was, that was, that was already a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. I was, so yeah. I, I, I could, that was three um, sections. Um, so I think I got up to exercise 64 in the articulation, but 64. Oh, <laughs> um, is like he starts introducing the piano and forte, which you've already worked on a bit in the sonfi, um, helping maintain a beautiful sound. But then in 64, it's uh, eighth notes that are articulated that are forte and then piano and then forte and piano <laughs> down like in a two octave jump. It was just, oh, and that was on Sunday. And I was just like, nah, I'm out. Like, oh, I, I spent, it was, it was, tr- yeah. oh, 
but just it's hard. yeah and also to keep your intonation mm-hmm. right and to yeah, yeah. it's really it, hard it, it, it took no prisoners yeah but i did notice yeah. because during this week so that was like my first and i was managing i think the second week i spent max 45 minutes on it before i was like okay you know what okay yeah don't want to get frustrated still have to do my other stuff um, so, and I was mm-hmm. pairing it with uh, Taffanel and Gobert number four for the scales to like, because okay. I also figured those are mm-hmm. kind of conventional and they're also French. And I did notice when I would do the different articulation styles, um, being able to play yeah. those musically from the get go, from the start, was heaps easier. So, all of my musical ah. burpees I did here with Bernold, um, <laughs> they were paying off. So, <laughs> paying the dividends. Yes. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it was fun. But yeah, so that's that was my week too. So sorry, listeners, I did not do all two hundred and eighteen, but I did do the first fifty something <laughs> for sure. Plus, whatever's <laughs> at the end. Um, sorry, I don't have an exact number, but it was a lot. So and and there's still plenty more for for me to get through as well. But yeah, but mm. without saying too much more, I think we're to our verdicts now. Um, so I think we Jen, are. what is your verdict on the Bernard La Technique de Um yeah. Is it going to stay on your stand? Yes. No, this stays on the stand completely. I think if anything, doing this book has convicted me that, yes, I do need to spend uh, a dedicated part of my practice focusing on tone, tone work specifically. Um, I really like this book because, yes, how he's graded it. Um, it's very – it's the 218 exercises, which is really the big difference between this and his second book, although the second book includes things like harmonics, which is different. Mm, that's true. But what I like about this is actually the sheer number of exercises. You know, like some have 90 exercises in them, which means it's going to take you a while to actually cycle through them all before you're back at the beginning again. So I really liked just the sheer volume of them because it just makes something a little bit different every day. So keeps it fresh, keeps it interesting. Um, so I really liked that about it. But yeah, I just, <laughs> a really good book in terms that you kind of start quite humanely. It's the kind of the warm up that you need on the flute. And then you really get stuck into really specific um, isolate kind of work and yeah just I really think it the the dividends of um, what I saw improve in my practice just within these two weeks because of the um, the way he approaches um, yeah. tone and articulation um, was really encouraging so I think I I would recommend this to all f- flautists or flutists yeah I would say that this is um definitely staying on my stand and a very valuable resource for um I would maybe go from intermediate maybe Hmm. just because of the intensity of the work yes um for intermediate players that's what I would recommend this book and when I introduce this book to someone how about you? What's your verdict? Um, I think my verdict is very similar to yours. I really enjoyed how he's broken up the embouchure technique and just mm. into the two different sections. And I found it very, uh, it is similar to how other um, flutists or flautists <laughs> have approached it in the past. And other books that we've used, like the Why Paul is uh, Paul Edmund Davies book as well. Although his is more mm-hmm. of a mix of all everything, whereas this was pre- this was tone, so and not technique. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there's mm-hmm. some technique involved, but the focus is on the tone. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think 
I, I already use his Les Soufflés, Les Sons, um, basically every day, mm-hmm. just because the melodies are so memorable and it's a nice way to start your practice and get you motivated. At least for me, it's a great way to stay motivated while doing yeah. tone. But I'm going to start doing, yeah, I'm definitely going to keep in, incorporating more of his son fee and his uh, articulation exercises in here because there's just so many. And I think there's something mm-hmm. for any way you're feeling or any certain style or um, like area that you need to work on, he covers in this book. And mm-hmm. I think that's just a great mm-hmm. resource. And all of his points as well that he brings up before each section are really great. Like they're almost mantras in a way some of them could be that you could just say before every practice section to like get your brain in the zone. There were so many good um, <laughs> gems in there. So yeah, so it's definitely yeah. staying on my stand. Uh, he's a fantastic flutist and he really brings home everything in here quite well. And uh, yeah, I think as well for me, it would be for intermediate flute players. I mean, tone should be worked on from day one as a flutist because, you know, it's your sound, mm-hmm. it's your voice, but uh, some of it does get a little tricky. So I would also maybe do it with your teacher. But yeah, I think, yeah, intermediate for sure. If you're, you know, if you've got a pretty good grip on the keys and you're able to play at least two octaves, I would say give this a go. You might not be able to do everything in the book, but it would be a great starting point to help you build up the right technical aspects of embouchure technique <laughs> for playing mm. the flute. Cool. I think that wraps us up. Well, there we go. So. Yeah. I think that wraps up the final episode of the season. Thank you again for joining us for not only this episode, but for all the previous ones. If you did miss an episode, don't worry, we're on uh, YouTube, so you can go back and have a look at some of those previous episodes. It doesn't matter what order you uh, listen to them in. They are not related, although you might not understand some references. Um <laughs> Particularly regarding Tuffnell and Gobert, that one has scarred us deeply forever, and that was what like four seasons ago. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, was, was, it was it was <laughs> the inaugural season, and we're still quoting it to this day. <laughs> <laughs> I think what a way to start a podcast is. <laughs> anyway, but yes, you can find the Practice Odyssey at all podcast platforms. If you come across a platform which we are not on, let us know, and we can fix that. No problems. Um, Let us know what you think about this episode or previous episodes. We want to know your thoughts. We want to know what you're playing, what you're finding exciting, whether you agree with us, whether you disagree with us. That would all be great to know. (laughs) So you can write to us at thepracticeodyssey at gmail.com or you can uh, leave us a rating or comment on Apple Podcasts. And you can also find us on YouTube and subscribe if you feel so inclined. That would be great. Join our little community Um, there. and And join our little community there. The music in this episode was written by the wonderful Alessandra Woods and our show art was by the fabulous Ivan Potter-Smith. Anyway, thank you guys for joining us. Um, We'll be back for one final episode this season, which is our review where we look back upon the the high points and low points points of the season. (laughs) (laughs) Were there any? I don't know. You'll have to tune in and see. But anyway, I hope you have a great festive season. We'll see you in the next one. Bye for now. Bye.